Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game, and it's good for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Coming up on the Euro trip, things are looking lovely in Luxembourg and intriguing in Ireland. It's time for the Euro trip. Eurotrip, when I read that, I was immediately thinking of the movie. Do you know the movie? Hi, I'm Leanne. Hello, Leanne. Uh, Leanne, are you a Eurotrip podcast listener? I am, yes. <laughs> I, I should say, I met some Eurotrip fans here. I was chatting with people outside the entrance. And they said, oh, are you, are you Bella Fist? And I said, yeah. I know you're from the Eurotrip. What did you have for breakfast? It was last night. I did not have a kebab for breakfast. Queen Lorene, Eurovision winner. Did you ever think you would be back here again? I get goosebumps. No way! Martin Ossadar, Executive Supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. Welcome to the Eurotrip. Thank you very much. Welcome back, I think it is, right? Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week we are going behind the scenes on two of... The most anticipated, I think it's fair to say, Eurovision national selections for 2024. But where are we heading? Where are we talking about, I hear you cry? Well, on the podcast today, we are going behind the scenes. In Ireland, we got the long-awaited list of artists and songs for Eurosong last week. Well, we're talking to the main man, Ireland's head of delegation, Michael Keeley, one of the most talked about individuals in the world of Eurovision. James, he's on the podcast this week. Yes, he is. And he is incredibly candid. It's uh, It's been a year since we last spoke to him. And we thought it's high time to get him back on to find out everything about Eurosong 2024. It's uh, got a new host, Patrick Keeldy. It's got six brand new songs, which are going down a storm, it's fair to say, within the Eurovision community. So Michael Keeley, the head of delegation for Ireland, he's back to give us all the gossip. And, of course, 2024 sees the return of one of Eurovision's most successful nations, 
Luxembourg will be taking to the stage in Malmö and we are going behind the scenes of their selection show as well. Jan Bors was formerly the Czech Republic or Czechia's head of delegation at the Eurovision Song Contest and he was on the jury selecting the songs that are competing in Luxembourg. So he'll be telling us even more about that selection and what we can expect when it rolls around at the end of this month. And uh, we've got all the latest Eurovision news, of course, and all the updates on all those artists who are wanting to do Eurovision yet again. We've got all that and more still to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. So here we go then, uh, two big guests to bring you on today's episode to take you behind the scenes, as we say. Uh, but also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tease this for you now so you can wait and hear it a little bit later on. But uh, when I chat to Michael Keeley, he receives a very interesting phone call mid-conversation. We're having a great chat about Eurosong and he is rudely interrupted by his mobile phone. Very, very much looking forward to that. You've told me what happened and I can't wait for everyone else to hear it. <laughs> Uh, so yes, yeah, so plenty to bring you. But uh, quickly, Rob, uh, thanks from me to you for holding the fort last week. Well, you said thank you to me for for covering you on the podcast last Wednesday. A huge thank you to you, of course, on behalf of myself and also all of the listeners, because we know you have absolutely loved that episode where James was chatting to, to Lee and Will all about the decision to, to choose Ollie Alexander. James, I have some news. What, have you heard the song? Uh, yeah, yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> no, unfortunately I've not. However, I can tell you that I have just received word, and you don't know this, that last week we were in the top 20 music podcasts in the United Kingdom. Were we? Oh, that's that's good news. That's impressive. Isn't it, isn't it nice? Also funny, because I feel like we don't actually spend a lot of time talking about music, so I feel like a bit <laughs> of a fraud. <laughs> we, but we did have somebody on from BBC Music, so I guess it kind of takes the, takes the list, doesn't it, for us? Yeah, I think we can just about get away with it. Obviously, (laughs) you know, we've said there, clearly loads of you have been listening to get us into the chart. But I have to say thank you to those of you that have been leaving comments, getting in touch with us, saying how much you enjoyed the podcast. I read out a few of those on the pod on Wednesday, but also a few of you have been in touch. James, I know you're an Apple guy. I'm a Spotify guy. You, you maybe don't know this, but on Spotify, don't forget, if you are listening on Spotify, you can leave comments on the episodes that you listen to. So you can let us know what you thought of the episode on Spotify if you want to. Uh, Jess did on the Ollie Alexander episode. She said, amazing. Love you guys. Uh, Mark said, fascinating. This is the kind of content I'm here for. Keep up the amazing work. Best Eurovision pod out there. Now that is one surefire way to get your review read out here on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, just call us your favourite podcast and we'll read you out immediately. Waiting for all the messages to flood in now. Well, if you want to let us know what you think of the podcast, whether that be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or elsewhere, don't forget we are on socials. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, we're on threads as well. And we're on TikTok. All of our exclusive stories are over on EurotripPodcast.com. And if you want to send us an email, you can do that as well. That is hello at EurotripPodcast.com. It's time then for all the latest Eurovision news, which 
over the last seven days, there has been quite a bit because it is January and it does really feel like we've shifted up a gear into proper national final season. Of course, we had a few national finals and a few bits of news before the new year and before Christmas. But when January rolls around, it really feels like the beginning. Uh, and two new artists have been announced. You're going to get yourself in trouble because do you remember before Christmas, you called San Remo a national final? Do you remember that? Mm hmm. Well, you've just called Festival of Kenga as a national final now, haven't you? Yeah, but I'm going to use my same excuse because they're both de facto national <sighs> finals. They both represent what a national final is all about. Even if they predate Eurovision or their Eurovision participation, it still is a national selection. Yeah, the way that you delivered that sentence tells me that you aren't entirely convinced in your own argument, but sure. <laughs> But yeah, we got two new names, didn't we, for Eurovision since we spoke to you last week. Uh, representing Georgia, Nutza Buzaladze, who, James, was on American Idol in 2023. Mm. And and that name came so out of the blue. Nobody was expecting that one. So nice to have Georgia confirmed at song release at a later date. Uh, but also, we're recording on Tuesday this week and bright and early, I think, for... Uh, for us in the UK, I certainly wasn't up at 6.30am when they announced that uh, that it's Colleen for Austria, Rob. Yeah, did you know, and I didn't realise this, uh, that Colleen has quite a long history with both the Eurovision Song Contest and the Junior Eurovision Song Contest? Yeah, she's uh, she's got quite the CV, hasn't she? Sort of more behind the scenes rather than in front of the camera. Yeah, so I'm reading this from uh, the ORF official press release, so the the Austrian broadcaster, when they announced that Colleen would be representing them. Uh, since 2018, Colleen has been involved in the Eurovision Song Contest, initially as a stand-in lead artist for the rehearsals of several countries, and as a dancer and choreographer for the Intervalats in Lisbon. And then in 2021, she was creative director for the Junior Eurovision Song Contest for Spain and Bulgaria, as well as the creative director for Spain and the stage director for the entire production, in 2022 and then last year in 2023 she supported austria armenia germany and georgia with their stage performances at the eurovision song contest in liverpool so we often say don't we when it comes to artists that are selected to represent their country do they know what they're letting themselves in for colleen absolutely knows what she's letting herself in for she definitely does, doesn't she? I saw a video earlier on as well. You mentioned in 2018 in Lisbon, she was one of the stand-in rehearsal artists. So this is before any of the actual artists get to Eurovision. Of course, they've got to do loads of rehearsals and they get stand-in performers. And there was a video circling earlier on of, of her performing Fuego. And man alive, she nailed that, I tell you. So I think, I think we're going to get a very confident performance from her uh, in Malmö later this year. Uh, really exciting, James, to see, of course, what Finland have got in store for us. We were talking about national finals. Well, the songs are coming out, aren't they, over the uh, the last few days and the couple of days to come that are competing to represent Finland. Envious, or rather, unenviable position for whoever is representing Finland this year, because how do you follow Carrier? That is tricky, isn't it? How do you follow him? But then you see the quality of the songs that they're releasing so far that we've heard at least and the quality is just on another level again Finland uh, YLE the broadcaster over there just knock it out of the park the last few years they've just been on another level haven't they they've just it seems that one year they just woke up and, and thought Eurovision we want this we want it again yeah, I really, 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 really want to get somebody behind the scenes with UMK on the podcast because I think it'd be fascinating to talk about Finland's Eurovision revival. Because if you look at where they've come from since 
well, they NQ'd, didn't they, in, in 2019? And then where they've come from since. Really, really interesting conversation to be had there, I'm sure. Uh, and also special mention for uh, Windows 95 Man, <laughs> whose who, who song is coming out today, or song has come out today, if you're listening on the day of release. Uh, because Windows 95 Man, I saw a video of, uh, of them performing um, beforehand, like performing a, a concert earlier on this year. And they also have uh, a clippy. Do you remember clip? <laughs> the little paper clip, clip. The little paper clip that used to be like a little mascot for for older versions of Windows used to pop up on Microsoft Word. There was a Clippy on stage, so we might see Clippy at the original song contest in in Malmo, which is exciting. And yeah, another couple of national finals, of course, that took place over the weekend. Uh, we had the first show of Melody Grand Prix, former Eurovision Norwegian representative Margaret Berger, of course, uh, went through. So she'll be in the final of MGP at the start of next month. And also, James, Lithuania held their first show for their selection, which is uh, sadly no longer translates as uh, let's try again, which is a real shame. But speaking of national finals, let's go behind the scenes, as we've been teasing already, of two of the most hotly anticipated national finals of the 2024 season. We'll get to Ireland uh, and Michael Keeley, the Irish head of delegation, very shortly. But first, Rob... The return of Luxembourg. If you'd have said to me that on this podcast, what, 12 months ago, that we'd be talking about a national final in Luxembourg for their return to the contest, I'd have said you're a fool, James, but look at us now. (laughs) Because, yeah, Luxembourg are back. Uh, As I said earlier on, one of the most successful Eurovision nations, of course, as we know, and they are returning to the contest for the first time in a long time in Malmö. Which, of course, meant earlier in the year they had a blank sheet of paper. How were they going to handle their selection process? Were they going to pick internally? Or were they going to go down the route that they have done and have their own national final? Very ambitious plans for a small broadcaster and one that has been out of the Eurovision game for so long. So naturally, when it came down to narrowing down the shortlist of songs that would eventually compete in that national final, they thought they would rely on the expertise of some other Eurovision experts from elsewhere in Europe. Now, just a couple of those names involved. Of course, Alex Panay, James, uh, he represented Cyprus in the mid-90s, was one of the first guests here on the Eurotrip podcast that I remember speaking to. Krista Bjorkman, of course, as well, a name that we can't not mention when it comes to Eurovision. He was on the jury, narrowing down those songs. And then another person involved was Jan Bors. Now, Jan, you may know, was the head of delegation for Czechia at Eurovision back towards the uh, the end of the 2010s, was uh, last in the role, I think, for the 2020 contest that was, of course, eventually cancelled. He's still a TV producer over in Czechia and he was invited to be part of the Luxembourg jury. So I wanted to get him on the podcast to ask him how the whole thing worked and I started by asking what it was like to be invited to be part of the jury. First of all, I really like when I was on their position and I asked another producers or other people to join, uh, for example, jury for Czech television uh, when I was doing Eurovision in here. I always would be like it was very helpful when somebody said just yes and you have you can check out this person and say like yes i have the first one second one whatever i have it all but i have it because it's a crucial thing and so for that i said immediately yes and also 
Luxembourg is coming after 31 years, 30 years to Eurovision. For me, this is something new. And imagine before 2016, I had no clue about Eurovision, or honestly, almost nothing. And now I'm part of somebody who's coming back. This is even like, what the hell? It's a big honor. So you said that, you know, your previous roles helped with what you were able to offer RTL as as a member of that kind of selection team that was that was going through the songs and, and narrowing down the, the shortlist for the broadcaster. What do you think those kind of positives are from your perspective? You know, you were head, head of delegation for the Czech Republic at Eurovision, TV producer, as you've said, someone who knows the industry. So what were you able to offer RTL as a, as a juror? Yeah. Yeah, like I don't know their perspective. I just think their perspective is they trust me. But from my position, from what how I try to honestly now describe myself, right, is more likely that whether I'm doing a job, whether I'm doing my YouTube channel or whether we just chat like this or we meet in person in the bar, I'm honest. I think this is the this is the thing that I'm not trying to play games. I'm not trying to say opinions which everybody will be satisfied with. I'm bringing myself into it. Of course, sometimes it's a hard times for me, but I decided to be like that because that's what makes me happy. Also, what what make me successful in my career, honestly. One thing you, of course, have experience of is working with and for a broadcaster who will have relatively limited resources, especially when it mm-hmm. comes to Eurovision which obviously is the case with with RTL. They're not a big broadcaster. It's not a big country. So what are some of the restrictions, I suppose, for, for a broadcaster like RTL? And how do you have to work harder to kind of work around them when it comes to Eurovision to compete with some of the bigger nations and broadcasters? Yeah, this is very funny because, for example, I've never seen such a like, more professional approach than RTL actually has. I don't know their budget. But what they want, what they do is it's a big professional approach. They want to succeed. They created the panel of juries, make them watch like I, I would say hundreds. I think it was like hundred and something acts per three days live. So with the cameras, they put all the artists in front of us under pressure. They simulate the the pressure of Eurovision that it really is something huge. It's not a joke, you know? And they did this, and this is exclusive. So I don't know. They You, you cannot say that they have low budget or something because their approach is we believe the project and we want the best possible outcome for our national selection show. Wh- whoever will win, it's clear that they want also the show to be amazing with the best possible outcome, with the best possible eight acts, out of those hundreds, you know, and they create the conditions for everybody, for the us jurors, for viewers, probably also for the artists to really experience the full scale Eurovision on a very small, of course, very small scale, scale, scale. But you know what I mean? Can you kind of go into any more detail about how it works in terms of, you know, what happens? Do you watch all of the, you mentioned hundreds of performances, 100 plus performances, and then do you go and sit in a room with your fellow jurors? Are you ranking them on specific criteria? How does that work? Yes, like, first of all, I think it must be said that we were five jurors over there, a little bit different backgrounds or even completely different backgrounds. Singers, composers, produce, executive producer, uh, Christer Bjorkman as a legend, but as a legend producer also for me, come on, I was sitting in I know that some Eurovision people don't like blah, 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 but he's a legend in TV industry. 
for the professionals. Like this is one of the best producers in the world and you're sitting next to him and then you have a discussion. And of course, it's much easier to do the the first five, let's say, maybe first four, maybe first three, because they are clearly somewhere else, let's say. Yes, even in our opinion, how they were presenting themselves in front of us, the song, the music, their, their performance, as a performance, as a, like, all this package, you know? And and is there any consideration there, not just for who the eight should be in the selection, but for how well that artist or that song will do at the contest, if they are to get the Luxembourg ticket to, you know, the contest in Malmö? Yeah, well, this is this is the biggest task of every jury anywhere in the world, or anywhere anywhere in the world, or even the producers who or internal selection, whatever, to find an act which can succeed, right? So even the last eight acts should be in our heads the thing, the act which can succeed at Eurovision. This is this is the perspective. This is the goal. This is the task of the jury. Last one on Luxembourg. Given everything that you've said, and I appreciate, you know, you are not from RTL. You're not speaking on their behalf at all. But what do you think would be viewed as a successful result for Luxembourg at Eurovision in 2024? Like, this is very, very nice question because in my perspective, from my eyes, everything, if they go to the finals, is a successor because they are coming back. If when I saw what they have, and I said very technically, right? But I'm talking about people, acts, and so on. But if I saw, like, I cannot tell you, of course, I cannot comment on it right now. But for example, there was one act which blew my mind the way that live, I've never seen live performance like this ever in my life, ever, ever. And it maybe sounds absolutely crazy, but. The, I'm very curious if this is gonna transcend through through television, but what I saw, I was like, please, I hope this never ends. Like, let this person sing more, longer, forever. I've never seen it in my life. Well, that is very exciting. So we've got something to look forward to when it comes to the live show. And then, yeah, my last question, I want you to take off your Luxembourg uh, jurors hat and potentially your, your previous Czechia hat as well. And just a question on the potential expansion of Eurovision, because we've seen Luxembourg return. We've seen various countries leave the contest for several reasons. How important is it that Eurovision keeps welcoming back former nations or attempts to expand into new nations in the coming years? I think what somehow is misinterpreted among fans and uh, viewers and the professionals is that Eurovision is very open to to go in. It's very easy. Like if you're part, if you're a member of the EBU, you have a choice to go in. So it's not about like Eurovision is getting bigger, expanding. It's actually like, hey, everybody who wants to join, join. We have a perfect project for you. It's not really super expensive, in my opinion, for what you get. Uh, and also what you do as a public broadcasters in general for your music industry in your own countries and what potential it has come on it has it, like 160 million people are watching it it's like like now we are used to this number you know it sounds like 160 million but come on no like like every country is happy if they have like 1 million maybe 500k people uh, you know five five 500k watching and now we are talking about 160 million viewers your the door are open and if you don't understand the possible, like what, how important it can be, then there is something wrong with your managements in your televisions, in my opinion. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. You're listening to The Euro Trip, the world's favorite Eurovision podcast. Welcome back to the Eurotrip podcast. Uh, we've still got Michael Keeley on the way. Uh, but first, a big thanks to Jan Bors for finding some time to give us a bit more detail inside Luxembourg. It sounds like a hugely professional organisation that they've got going on there. And I think that's been clear from the start, really, hasn't it, since uh, since they announced they were coming back? Yeah, so professional are the team over at RTL, the Luxembourg broadcaster, that they are very elusive. They're proving very tricky to track down, maybe because they're all in their Eurovision bunker and are all planning their uh, the national the national final. But uh, yeah, we really want to get someone from Luxembourg on the pod to, to talk about, obviously, the whole process of, of them returning to Eurovision and, and what their hopes are for 2024. You heard Jan say in, in the interview there that, you know, he thinks, and he's not speaking on behalf of RTL, but a good result, obviously, for Luxembourg on their return would be to, to qualify for the grand final and to be part of the show on the Saturday night. And uh, James, you've, you've got to agree. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, since we got the announcement on the eve of the 2023 contest that they were coming back and then they told us they were going to do a national final, it just it just seems to be building up to something. And I am personally very looking forward to seeing the show. That was a funny old day in the uh, press centre, wasn't it, during Eurovision week where, when they, dro- they, they dropped the news that Luxembourg were returning to the contest. I don't think anyone was particularly expecting it. And it also came at that point in Eurovision week where you are, and you will appreciate this, whether you went to Eurovision as you know a fan and, and watched the shows or whether you were part of the press or, or however you were there in, in whatever capacity. But by the time you get to, say, Thursday, Friday, you don't really know what's happening. You're just sort of existing on no sleep. <laughs> you don't even really know your own name. So I remember when we got the news that Luxembourg were returning to the contest, that was, uh, yeah, it was a funny old day. But 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 we, we got through it. And as the kids say, James, we move. <laughs> Did he? Okay. Uh, well, let's move on even more because uh, it's worth us mentioning we haven't yet on the podcast. Uh, we've got so many names that have done Eurovision before and are trying to do it again. I don't know what it is about Malma, but there are artists, of course, who competed the last time the contest was in 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 Malma in Sweden back in 2013, who were attempting to return 
again. Like, has Malmo got a really good pizza place, and they just want to get <laughs> like they want to find an excuse to go back? Is that is that what it is? So, who have we got coming back from from 2013? A man who has been on the podcast before, one of the most surreal interviews I've ever done. Andreas Pajavis, who represented Lithuania. Uh, we've already mentioned her, Margaret Berger, of course, as well, who came fourth. But James, they are just two of many artists who are looking to come back to Eurovision, having represented their country in the past. Would you like me to just blast through a few of them? Yeah, go on. Go, go, go. As many as you can. Quick fire. Croatia, Damir Kedjo. Uh, Let three. Estonia, uh, Laura, who represented them in 2017. And also in 2005, when she was part of Sun Tribe. People always forget that, James. Italy, honestly, this is a long list. Diodato, Emma, Il Volo came third in 2015, won the vote. Mahmoud, Eurovision 2019 and 2022. Richie and Paveri, Eurovision 1978. In Lithuania, the Roop are also back. Obviously, they were going to represent Lithuania in 2020 and then did so and came eighth in 2021. Uh, Villa, who represented Lithuania as well in Eurovision in 2014, came 11th in their semi-final, just missed out on a place in the grand final. In Moldova, Natalia Babu, who represented them at Eurovision in 2007 and came 10th in the grand final. Back in Norway, we've already mentioned Margaret Berger, but Benedict Adrian, we mentioned this on our Melody Grand Prix special episode, she was part of Dolly Deluxe and represented Norway in Eurovision 1984 and came 17th in the final. Kaino Abakle came 6th in 2019 and Constractor returns for Serbia and Melovin is back for Ukraine. There's quite a lot of them then, isn't there? <laughs> no, one or two. This isn't new though. We do often get artists who, who want to come back, but I wonder if it's part of the Lorene effect. You know, she's come back after 11 years. She won the contest. I wonder if it's inspired a lot of others from uh, from previous years to come back. Be interesting if we manage to speak to some of these and ask them that very question. We will do our very best here on the podcast over the next few weeks, of course, as selection season continues. We'll be getting some national finalists on the podcast and uh, some hopefully potential returning artists as well. Let us know who you would like to see, who you want us to try for here on the podcast. Do get in touch. Yes, uh, but let's turn our attentions to Ireland now uh, because Eurosong, their national final, is just a matter of days away. It is next Friday, so we're all looking forward to that. Is it next Friday? That had completely passed me by. I didn't realise it was that soon. It's coming around very, very quickly. Uh, They don't have any returning artists. It's uh, it's worth mentioning right now. But they did announce all their artists last week, and it's safe to say that it went down a bit of a storm. It seems like a lot of you out there are big fans of the artists and big fans of the songs themselves. And a couple of the songs, which I'll mention with Michael in just a second, are doing very well online. So Michael Keeley is the Irish head of delegation. He has been for quite a number of years and he is very honest. He's very candid in this chat that I had with him earlier on today. We chat about a wild youth's performance last year. We chat a bit about Eurosong and the selection process for the songs. And of course, James, we uh, have have a, a special uh, special phone call to look forward to during this chat as well. Yes, we do. We do. That is, uh, is quite a fun bit. So make sure you listen out for that. Uh, but I'd love to hear, of course, what you think of Michael as you're listening. Do get in touch with us online at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram uh, and so on. Uh, but let's get to it, shall we? This is what happened when I caught up with Michael Keeley a little bit earlier on. Michael Keeley, welcome back to the Eurotrip. Thank you very much. Good to be here again. Yes, good to have you on. It's been 
12 months since we last had you on. We spoke to you in the run-up to Eurosong last year, so it's great to have you back on this year. Um, all the songs are out already. Are you pleased with uh, with the variety and the reaction you've had so far? Um, yes, I am, actually, yeah. I think we've got six really, really good songs. I think we've got a, a very diverse range of genres as well for people to choose from, and I suppose that's one of the important things for for us is that not only are we well of course we're looking for a song for for Eurovision but we're also looking to present a variety of songs to the public you know we're also trying to make a, a Eurosong show that's obviously you know highly watchable and that's got a um, a certain amount of excitement for the public here as well so yeah I'm very pleased with the songs and you know this year um, for the first time I was just looking yesterday on Spotify and I was actually on Bambi Thugs her own social media channels her song is top of the irish viral top 50 today so it's number one in the irish viral top 50 so that's uh you know an exciting development that our songs for your song are beginning to kind of get noticed in in areas outside of the normal fan base i suppose yeah they're cutting through already aren't they and also for for elsha uh, her song was played on Radio One here in the UK last night as well. So I, I saw that as well. Yeah, which is which is fantastic news for her. And um, yeah, so that's it. Just I think it it just reinforces, I suppose, for me in particular, that where we seem to be on the right track. You know, I mean that you know it's it's a long long and winding track, but I think we're on the right one. You know. Was there any bravery on your part to select songs that are a little bit, you know, a little bit more out there, a little bit braver than we might have heard in, in recent years? I, I, to be honest, it's nothing to do with me because I really don't. I, I mean, you know, yes, I, I assemble a kind of a, a, a panel of people who listen to a lot of the songs and I, and I would be one of the people that shortlist initially the 370 songs or 80 songs that we get. So it's it's really the panel that I pick that ends up selecting these songs, you know. So I'm I'm glad that these ones came to the fore. I think it I think it's just reflective also of, of the caliber of artist that is now interested in entering songs for the Eurosong. And that's really heartening for somebody like me that that we're beginning to get, you know, um even people like Jay LOL. Sorry, James. Hang on one sec. Can I give you a shout back in about um half an hour or an hour? All right. Yeah, go on. Oh, yeah, it's going to be, I think, the 10th, 11th of uh, March, something like that. Yeah, actually, it would be great if somebody's able to go. All right, thanks, Eva. Sorry, James, that was just a question. Would you believe it was a question about the heads of delegation meeting? Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was yeah, that yeah. the EBU ringing you? Was that Martin Osterdahl? No, no, it was somebody in RT ringing me just to ask about what dates they were on, you know, so it wasn't Martin Osterdahl, no. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't tend to ring me often. In fairness, um, <laughs> what I was going to say was, it's heartening for me to see acts like JLOL, who is very credible artist here over you know a number of years entering the competition as well. You know, so they're sticking their necks, you know, up and they're they're sticking their heads um, over the parapet and they're having a go and they're not afraid to do that. What do you think has changed for for these artists to come forward and think this is this is the right time for me? Well, I, I I think it's it's been sort of developing over a number of years, and I think one of the one of the things has been that the way that Eurovision itself has has evolved, and that we've seen acts like Manskin coming through, and um, you know, and I think that has certainly certainly helped um, uh, the, the artists feel that this is actually an okay 
competition for them to enter. Uh, also, um, I, I feel, and people may disagree with me, but I, I think, you know, even last year, you know, when we had the likes of Public Image on our Eurosong, people looked at that and they said, well, here's a world, you know, a global act that's prepared to, to have a go at a Eurosong. They didn't win. And, uh, you know, there was no negative effects for their for their for their career, you know. So I think that's uh, that kind of also also helps, you know, that that um, that big acts are prepared to have a go. And do you know what? If they do and they don't get through, it doesn't matter. Was there anything you did differently this year in terms of that selection process? You mentioned earlier how you, you know, you select that panel who help advise you and choose that shortlist. Was there anything different you did this year compared to the last couple of years? Well, I, you know, I expanded the panel this year. I had over 40 people on the panel. They were a mixture of people who work in the music business. They were people who work in entertainment, people who work in radio stations, tele, in television. And I had a, I had a, um, a good selection of fans as well from, um, from Ireland and people who had kind of contacted me and asked me, could they be on a panel? So I think that, um, that the kind of an expanded panel definitely helped because, you know, when you get 45 people, listening to 60 songs that it's it becomes fairly clear fairly quickly which ones are the more popular ones you know so um so i was glad to see because i listened to them all i didn't vote in that panel myself i didn't think it would be fair for me to vote in that um panel but i was glad to see that the songs i had thought were good were the ones that emerged you know to the top to be honest i i we've only got really space for six finalists on our Eurosong um, show. That's just due to limitations of facilities and resources in RTE. But I mean, we could have had double that number, you know what I mean? Because I thought there was another six songs in there, at least, you know, and maybe more that would have been good to put to the public as well. And I think that in future years, I'm like a broken record talking about this, but we should be doing a Eurosong that is a standalone competition that exists on its own over multiple weeks, you know, and that gives a lot more artists the opportunity to to um have a go and and present their present their songs on television for the public you know and just to touch on that i, I know you've mentioned this in the past but it's worth mentioning you would love to do this show as a standalone but this is just to do with resources and, and budget isn't it yeah uh, um there's been in ireland uh, rte has gone through um a pretty rough uh, time over the last six months i don't know how much of it um, we would be aware of in Newcastle, but um, it has been it has been pretty rough, yeah. And our resources, where we thought they were reasonably stable, kind of hit a buffer, hit the bricks, I suppose, um, for a lot of pretty much self inflicted reasons from the organisation. And that suddenly um, caused a bit of a, a a crunch in terms of our our ability to you know our finances and our ability to to um, spend money on new endeavors. Let's just say that was a bit disappointing. That um, that suddenly the money wasn't there. I, I had been hoping that we might have been at a place in RT where we could look at doing something like that, that that it was getting on the agenda in um you know on on across the desks that matter. And uh, but unfortunately I said once the once the sort of credit crunch hit us, that really was off the tables. But I'm hopeful that you know things might settle down later this year. Our finances may be put on a more stable footing and we may hopefully have the money to do something like it. If not 
well, I'm hoping. Let's just say next year. Let's just hope. Let's be hopeful. Let's, let's be, be optimistic. hopeful. Yes, let's be optimistic. It's going yeah, to happen next year. It could have been a possibility then, do you think, for this year, if it wasn't for that turmoil last year, that, you know, the right people were nodding their heads and willing to give this a go? I, I won't I won't say it was going to definitely happen, but I certainly think there was a fair chance that it could have. Yeah. And But, I, but once that issue arose in June of 2023, suddenly all bets were off you know i mean the the existence of the organization was in question there for a while but thankfully i think that settled down and um you know there seems to be a willingness um, amongst sort of political classes here to possibly sort out rt's finances once and for all i won't say it's going to happen because i've been you know this has been something that has been ongoing for decades here I was going to say, funding. you've been around the block a few times, Michael, at RTE, you know, <laughs> you, you can't be too certain. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, I've, James, I feel for anybody working in public service media, particularly in the UK as well, where I know there's a huge downturn in advertising revenue and there is a, a, a crunch going on there too. And and um, so it's it's not an easy place to be in public service broadcasting at the moment. It's under threat for lots of different reasons all over Europe and beyond for other reasons and it's i suppose it just reinforces in my mind and i suppose other people's minds as well how important it is to have independent public service broadcasting too right absolutely michael can i quickly touch on last year a- another disappointing result probably another hard result for you to take as well obviously wild youth didn't progress through the semi-finals to the final is that a, was that a tough one to, to take on a- another bad result like that um, look, it doesn't get easier every year, you know. Um, of course, uh, it's every year. It's it's that we don't qualify is hugely disappointing because, you know, there is a different set of people that that um literally go on this journey with me to Liverpool or to Malmo or to wherever. Uh, they invest an awful lot in the you know in their act and in 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 the, the staging of the the song and all that kind of stuff and they put in the hard work and while while you certainly put in the work so it is hugely disappointing when we don't get through and you know it's it's not easy obviously people are human and this is takes a very human toll on people when they get so publicly you know rebuffed uh, in Eurovision and but the same was true with Brooke, the same was true with Leslie, the same was true with, you know, all of the people that I've been down this road with. So it's no, it's not easy. And um no, and I really feel for the people that do it because they're the ones ultimately like I they only get to go to it generally speaking once in their lives, it, you know, maybe twice if they're lucky. I have a uh, obviously I get to go a lot more often than than um other people. So it is it is a once in a lifetime opportunity for these people. So it is hugely disappointing. Yeah, I, I, I do feel it for them. And, and no, it doesn't get easier. Is it hard for you as well? Because, you know, you put yourself out there, you know, you come on on podcasts like the Eurotrip and elsewhere and you answer these questions. But I think you get a lot of flack, don't you? Be, and possibly because you put yourself out there. Do you deserve this much flack? Well, of course, I'm going to say no, I don't. Uh, <laughs> but um, I... No, I mean, no is the answer, but I understand that fans are frustrated. So when we don't qualify, people, you know, they need somebody to, they don't want to blame the act, you know, they, in fairness, they don't want to blame the act. So the easiest thing to do is to blame RTE. They say, well, you know, RTE shouldn't have sent 
Wild Youth, RTE shouldn't have picked that song, RTE shouldn't have, you know, done whatever, or me or whoever. The reality is the public and the juries picked the song. The act wrote the song. I didn't write the song. I didn't go out on stage and sing it. I, you know, so I, I you know, sometimes I feel people think that's what I do, you know, and I get the I get the blame for for doing all that kind of stuff. But look, I'm a I'm I'm a I'm an adult. I can take it. Um it's yes, it it some of it is grossly unfair, some of it is downright abusive. Um try not to pay too much attention to that because very often it is particularly on social media i mean you know it's ill-informed and uneducated comment you know so so i, I don't I, it's easy to ignore because it's 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 the, the people who are making those kind of comments actually don't understand what they're talking about fair play you handle it probably much better than i would i think i, I would take it to heart too much <laughs> you, you get used to it over time james let me just say that <laughs> Uh, should we focus on on this year, 2024? Uh, Patrick Keelty, you've got a new host for, for Eurosong this year. Is he going to bring a new element to the show, do you think? Uh, well, yeah, of course he will. Um, I worked with him just before Christmas. We did a New Year's Eve show and he is uh, he's great to work with. Um, he's I, I inhabit the same office space as the Late Late Show. So um, so I, I see him on a regular basis and he is... Um, He's very enthusiastic and he's very up for doing new things. I, I don't know how much of a, a a fan fan of the Eurovision he is. He's certainly a watcher of it, but I'm not sure if he's uh, one of these, um, you know, super fans that uh, uh, we get. But uh, but I but I certainly think he's interested in it, and um, and I think he will bring something something different to it than than Ryan did. Um, you know, so we'll have, we'll just have to wait and see. I I I think the setup will be the studio setup will be slightly different as well to the normal late late show. So I think that will uh, help with a lot of people give out about our studio facilities, and that's fair enough, you know. But unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about that. But people still give out about the fact that it's on the late late show or it's under the late late show, you know, brand on a Friday night. But the truth is, you know, they say, oh well, oh, oh you know, and this again, this is the kind of ill-informed comment you get on online is that people say oh no the late late show oh sure only old people watch that and they're the people that are going to be watching the euro song and that they're the people that are going to be voting on the act so therefore they're not going to send the right act that's the the view quite a prevalent view among some people online who should probably know better but because really what happens in reality is that when you do a euro song you you first of all the late late show is the audience for it is not exclusively old people that's absolutely a fallacy people think that um, I know because I'm I'm working television, so I look at figures. I, you know, that's our stock and trade. We look at figures, we look at demographics, and that's you know the currency that we deal in. And so I know it very well. It's it's actually quite um, it's uh, quite a well balanced audience, you know, between young people and and you know the different demographics. But there's quite a lot of young people watching the Late Late Show on any given Friday. More so on a Euro song when you do uh, do a, a special show like this. You attract in a whole other demographic who want to see the show, who would normally be watching something else. So it it doesn't, you know, that kind of criticism. Sorry, just to go back to the criticism that people give me. The kind of criticism that the, the late late show is exclusively a sort of an old people show is is wrong. And the, when we do a Euro song on it, the actual the audience, the youth audience, increases significantly anyway. So the the key thing I would say is that whoever is watching the late late show euro song is that they need to get involved if they want to give out about the act that we select they can only do so if they actually vote 
You know, it's a bit like voting in a general election. You can't give out about the government unless you vote. Yeah, very true. Very true, Michael. Uh, talking about people voting, you're going to have a public vote, jury vote. Is that going to be the same as uh, we've seen recently? It's, it's going to be the same as last year. Yeah, um, we have uh, last year we introduced the, well, no, I think it was two years ago, we introduced the international jury. And um, and I think that's brought a new dimension to it as well. So it's a, it's a third, a third, a third. It's the public vote, the national jury and the international jury. And um yeah, so that's the same, going to be the same again this year. I had thought in one of my sort of, you know, when I woke up screaming in the middle of the night, I thought maybe we should put a fan jury in there as well and have a kind of a four-way vote. But it was too late at that stage to change the rules. So I, um, maybe maybe in future years. Interesting. So do you think that would sort of help balance out, you know, all those different parts of the voting? The public vote for different reasons than a, a national jury and an international jury. So very often the public, particularly in a small country like Ireland, people will vote based on your where you're from geographically as opposed to how good your song is. So if you're from, um, you know, some small parish in Tipperary, you might be able to rally the whole community behind you to vote for your song. Now, I don't know if any, I don't think any of our acts are from a small parish in Tipperary. <laughs> So I'm only picking that as an example, but I apologize if somebody is from a foot, but I don't think so. So do you know what I mean? So the public can vote very often for different reasons and motivations to a, a national jury and an international jury, who I think are a bit more, can be a bit more balanced in 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 knowing the competition. They know the competition probably a little better than the casual viewer as well. And I think they can they'd be better, they can be better placed sometimes to to look at an act and to see its potential on a big stage. Have you got any special interval acts lined up for, for the show? I know it's 30 years since uh, Paul and Charlie won, of course. Are they going to make a special um, appearance? Well, we do have... A, well, you see, the, the 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 thing about the Eurosong is that it's it's not just... like I, I'm not the producer of The Late Late Show, so I um, I look after different things. I look after the juries and I look after the acts. The Late Late Show production team look after the interval acts and, and the studio panel, that kind of thing. Um, there is, I do know for a fact that there is a very special interval act. Yeah, very special interval act. And that's all you're going to say. <laughs> that's all I can say. They'll kill me if I say any more. But it's it's a it's a it's a very special interval act that have travelled some distance to be with us. That's all I'll say. Oh, you've you've stumped me here. I'm going to be thinking for far too long trying to figure out who this might be. And you're still not going to say anything. You're not. Still, I was going to give you an opportunity. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll say I'll, I'll be I'll be. Act when I go to work. Michael, I want to take the opportunity to ask you about Israel. Uh, there's been growing calls for for the EBU to, to take a stance and, and potentially remove them from Eurovision this year. Is that something that's on your mind uh, or at all? Well, I mean, obviously it, it, it is something that's there in the background. I, To be honest, I, um, you know, I, I've said to people here before as well that this is not, it's not a, a competition between governments. This is a competition between public service broadcasters. The public service broadcaster in Israel is an independent um, broadcasting organization like RTE. It's independent of the government. It's not a it's not a, a mouthpiece for Netanyahu. So um so that's the first thing I'll say. Um but look it's uh, ultimately it's you know it's 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 not something I would be in favor of necessarily but it's not something for me to call it's something for the EBU to decide. So whatever the EBU decide to do, obviously I'm happy to go along with with those people who are much 
more intelligent and much wiser than me on these issues, you know. We saw a, a, a protester on stage in Melody Grand Prix in Norway. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. Is that a concern for you for, for the Late Late Show? Um, yeah, of course it is. Anytime you do live television, um, there is the possibility that something like that might happen. I've been involved in programs over the years where that has happened. And it's just one of the hazards that you are aware of and that you're prepared for and that you can deal with quite quickly if it, if it does occur. Um, particularly when you have a studio audience, you know, I mean, you know, you can't, you can't screen your audience for, you know, their political views necessarily. Um, the other thing I will say about, about um, you know, calls for RTE to boycott the Eurovision, because there are a lot of calls for us to withdraw from the Eurovision because Israel are in it. I think that would set a very dangerous precedent if we do that in RTE because we're we're not a we're a, we're we're not a political organisation. We're a public service broadcaster. Um, I also think then that we it, it will give us you know I think we you know you'd have to say well then should we be involved in the Olympics? Should we be involved in the World Cup? Should we be involved in any major international competition where uh, Israel are involved? If that's what happens you know so um so i'm i'm I, i'm not in favor of it and i and i said i said to you i think i'll leave it up to the people in uh, in geneva who are um much wiser on this issue uh looking more widely then at 2024 what do you think would represent a good result for ireland is it just a tick in the box of qualifying to that grand final would that would you sort of mop your brow to to say phew we've done it well do you know a qualify qualification obviously would be great um because just given our terrible um record over the last 10 years I, I qualification would be great i i you know i think we've got some songs in our national final that have the potential to do extremely well um if if they get to uh, the year song so i'm sorry if they get to the origin and um you know i would be i would be very hopeful that we we could do more than just qualify uh, and we're chatting what ten days away from Eurosong. Have you got still got plenty to do? I've I've loads to do. Would you believe I'm not only doing your I, I like I I I would love to do nothing but but Eurovision all year round. But I mean I've been I've been already um, this morning uh, talking to people about our New Year's Eve show this year, which will be already 20, yeah already yeah. Would you believe on the sixteenth of um, January? So. I and, I and I've got and the St. Patrick's Day is coming down the line, which I have to um, uh, be involved in as well. So there, there's plenty of other stuff to keep me going, believe me. But look, it's a, I'm not complaining. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, Michael, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you've been so generous with it and I uh, wish you the best of luck for, for next week. All right. Thanks a lot, James. And there he goes, Michael Keeley, for our, what seemingly is now our annual catch-up before you're a song. <laughs> Uh, James, a, a really open and candid conversation and, and interesting to see where his head is at going into Eurosong next week. Yeah, I always like to chat to to Michael because he is one of these who will just tell you exactly what he thinks. And I thought it was really worth asking if if he thinks he deserves all that flack. I thought it was worth an ask because he does. He's possibly the person involved in Eurovision who gets almost more flack than anybody else and I wonder if he thought he deserves that so uh, so big thanks to Michael for being so uh, so candid on on all that but generally I think there's huge amounts of excitement for for Eurosong next week yeah very very interesting to see who gets the Irish ticket to Malma now James it is time to end the podcast with the first one second song of 2024 
Before we recorded, I attempted to persuade you that we should start from scratch at the start of the year because I'm currently quite a long way behind. It is currently 7-0 to you. Uh, James, it is you that's picked the song this week for me, I understand. It is indeed very last minute, so there's no thought gone into this whatsoever. I've just opened up a folder of Eurovision songs on my laptop, clicked the first one I saw, and clipped the first second for you. So there's no rhyme or reason for this one. So hopefully, for your sake, it is nice and easy. So let's have it, shall we? <laughs> this is this week's one second song. Okay, I was really hoping when you said it was easy that it would be Lorene and Tattoo, Sweden 2023. <laughs> You've not quite gone that easy. I feel like this could be achievable. Let's have it one more time. Okay. I have a guess. I don't know if it is correct. I don't even know if this was the right year. (laughs) I I, I may get my years wrong. I may get my countries wrong. I may get the song wrong. But here we go. I think, James, I don't know if anyone listening to this may have the same guess as me. I think this is Greece 2013. Can't remember the name of the group. But is it Opa? Well, you've you've hit the post with a couple of those bits, but I'm happy to give you two points. Oh, I'll take two. I'm I'm very happy to to get off the uh, off the bottom rung of the scoreboard because <laughs> before today I had zero points. So yeah, very pleased with two. Go on. Uh, yeah, so you got uh, Greece, and it was Opa. It wasn't 2013. It was 2010. So a few years <sighs> out, but I'll uh, I'll let you off. And it was uh, Georgios Alkaios. And friends. Yeah, I was never getting Georgia Salkar some friends. Oh, well, let's have a listen, shall we? I will take that. I will take being 7-2 down. That sounds a lot better than being 7-0 down. Although, of course, next week you will have an opportunity to extend your lead once more. As Rob picks something from Eurovision 1959. Just you you wait. (laughs) You'll do it again. You'll be lucky. You'll be lucky. (laughs) Anyway, that is just about it from us for this week. We'll be back with you in seven days' time for a brand new episode of the Euro Trip. In the meantime, of course, don't forget, you can keep in touch with us online. We'd love to hear from you. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us on TikTok as well. Uh, You can send us an email, hello at eurotrippodcast.com, and read all of our exclusive stories, of which, of course, there are a few from today, on eurotrippodcast.com. And don't forget, if you love what we do here on the podcast and you'd like to say thank you, then feel free to buy us a coffee. That would be lovely. If you want to donate just a few pounds to help us keep the lights on here at Eurotrip Podcast HQ and maybe make it possible that we hopefully, fingers crossed, might be able to make it to Malmö for Eurovision 2024, then you can head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Eurotrip Podcast. Yes, indeed. We'll be forever grateful. Uh, As well, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review, and rate us five stars. From me, James, it is goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, People that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. 
Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello, this is Danny Pellegrino, host of the Everything Iconic podcast, and I'm here to tell you all about Splash Refresher, because hydration is mandatory, but boring is not. Now, I love my water, but if I don't spice it up, I'm not going to finish what I took out of the fridge. That's why I love my Splash Refresher, which is flavorful, delicious, bright, hydrating, and zero calories. The wild berry flavor is my fave. No, wait, is the pineapple mango flavor my fave? You know what? All five craveable Splash Refresher flavors are my fave because they're so delicious. So get hydrated and enjoy it with Splash Refresher. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.